thank the Lord that we can trust in him, believe in him. God's going to come through. I'm so thankful that that God is is not a deceiver. He's not an author of confusion. If you can just trust in him, the scripture says, we, we preached on this a little while back, but about trusting in the Lord and when you trust in the Lord, he said, you would be like Mount Zion, which cannot be removed forever. There's, there's something about trusting him. And when you trust him, sometimes you, you have to walk in places you don't like to walk, do things you, don't, you wouldn't normally do probably. But you trust him. You know, if somebody tells you to get out and walk on water, well, Usually if you get in water, Lord, you sink. Yeah, but you see me walking on it, and if I said come, you can do it. But you got to trust him enough to step out of the boat. So I'm thankful that I can trust the Lord today. He is a firm foundation, and, man, God's good to us. We've got some great ministries that have been birthed and developed in this house, and, uh, man, I'll tell you, I'm thankful for every one of them. And... uh, We've watched uh, people become preachers and missionaries and, and just music ministers and all kind of things, you know, just uh, working for the Lord and working for the kingdom. And so we try to, to make sure our, our young people are doing everything they can for God. You know, we've got young people that have, they speak at conferences. They, they go other places and preach sometimes. They, they share their testimonies. They give Bible studies. They do all kinds of things to minister. But um, recently, uh, well, man, time's all running together. But um, I think we were in Colorado on our men's trip when I got a phone call that uh, the board had approved Sister Jessica for her license, her minister's license. And, and so for us, that's we, we've known that uh, she's had that for a while but she was already in that ministry before that license ever came. She's uh, special to this church. We've watched God do some tremendous things in her life over these short years, really. It seems like she's been here forever, but uh, can't imagine her not being here. But she's a blessing to this church, loves this church, and uh, our family in this church loves you dearly. And uh, so today, Sister Jessica, come preach to us. Give us what the Lord gave you. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Thankful to be in the house of the Lord. Um, Even more thankful to be in the presence of the Lord today. Pastor, thank you for those kind words. I want to give honor to you and Candy and your family. I love and appreciate y'all so much. And y'all have been vital to where I am today. So I love y'all. My opening scripture, y'all going to be standing for just a minute. So my opening scripture is Ezekiel 37, 1 through 3. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And it caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. So when I read that, I was like, 
did Ezekiel have faith? Because his response to the Lord did not make me feel like he had faith in what God asked him to do or asked him if what was possible. And even one translation says, Oh, sovereign Lord, you alone know the answer to that. So if Ezekiel didn't have faith, then who did? Because surely it wasn't the valley of dry bones. But it was God. God had faith for the dry bones to become a great army again, and he just wanted someone to agree with his vision. So I'm going to preach for just a moment today about God's faith. Let's pray for the word. Precious Jesus, I love you. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for what you desire to do in this house today. Right now, I take authority over any human or demonic spirit that would desire to hinder what you desire to do in this house today. I speak freedom, I speak liberty, and I speak the life of God right now. Let each and every one of our hearts be good ground to receive your word. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. I do want to say um, I'm thankful to have my dear friends, the Grams, here with me. I'm thankful to have some of my family in the house today. Um, And I know that they have been here for just a minute, but I want to just give honor to my brothers. I'm thankful for what the Lord is doing in their life. Um, I have prayed for them for many years and to see them in here worshiping and praying or when they come and pray for me. It is truly, um, quite literally, a living testament of God's faithfulness in my life. So, anywho, God did not go to Ezekiel for validation or for information. God went to Ezekiel seeking a vessel to agree with his faith. To agree means that we consent to do something that has been suggested by another person. So God didn't need Ezekiel's faith. God just desired his agreement. For me, this was revelatory because I've always believed that if I needed to see something miraculous happen, that I had to have faith for it. So faith is beautiful. Um, It's celebrated in Scripture. The Lord um, celebrates it, and it pleases God. But faith is not necessary to receive a miracle. Now, faith needs to be present in the house, whether it be by the person praying for you or God having faith for you, but you don't have to have faith in order to receive a miracle. Psalm 145 and 9 says, The Lord is good to everyone. He showers his compassion on all his creation. So God is good to everyone, not just those who are filled with his spirit and not just those who are filled with faith. He is good. Period. Um, Requiring someone to have faith for a miracle, innocently enough, um, it limits God and it makes his character conditional. God is a healer. Um, No circumstance or person can change that. And God doesn't heal us because of something we offer to him. Um, God heals us because he's a healer. And when we put conditions on our healing, we step inside of a dimension, the dimension of our understanding, that God does not operate in. God does not operate in within the realm or the dimension of our understanding because it is measurable. I believe God gives insight, and I believe God gives us discernment, and I believe he lets us in on some things 
Um, but his ways are very much higher than ours. And there have been times where I think back, and looking back, I can put the pieces together. Uh, but in the midst of it, a lot of times I'm like, what is the Lord doing? Where is he at? Uh, what's going on? And it's because he's operating outside of my dimension of understanding. You see, my understanding has a depth, it has a length, it has a breadth, it has a height. But God does not, and he is completely limitless, and he is immeasurable. He has no beginning, he has no end, he always has been. And I believe that we don't see healings like we ought to because we condition God within the dimension of our understanding. There have been instances in my life where I've seen healing in people's, other people's lives where they didn't have faith, uh, let alone an understanding of God. There was one man, and I'm going to change their names just because they didn't want their names said, um, but they didn't mind me telling the story. So there's a man, let's say his name is Terrence. And if I accidentally say another name, just be like, Terrence. Uh, <laughs> so uh, years ago... Um, a man named Terrence, he had pancreatic cancer, and he was not a believer at all. He did not um, even believe that God existed. He was an atheist, just was like, nah, not for me, don't believe it. Um, and his wife, I heard just like, you know, through the grapevine, pray for him, pray for so-and-so. So I was praying for Terrence, and I asked his wife, I was like, hey, can I come pray for him? And she was like, I was like, just ask him. I mean, if he says no, then, you know, we'll go with that. But so he said yes. And before I went to go pray for Terrence, God showed me what was going to happen. God showed me that he was going to give him a new pancreas. And I was like, yes. Like, I went in there. I was like, I know it. God's going to give him a new pancreas. He's going to be healed. It's on. So I went to his house, and I, I laid my hand on him, on his abdomen, obviously. And I prayed for him. And I felt like a rumbling and a shifting, like, up underneath my hand. And my eyes shot open. I was like, did you feel that, Terrence? And he was like, I did feel that. And I was like, cool. I was like, I really believe God just gave you a new pancreas. He was like, okay. And I was, he's like, mm, I don't know. Um, but he went, to, he went to the hospital. He went to the doctor. He was scheduled for a surgery. And uh, they, so the pancreas was the root cause of everything. The, the cancer was all spreading from his pancreas, and so they were going to take it out. When they opened him up for surgery, he had a completely new pancreas. There was no, <laughs> there was no cancer on his pancreas. The doctors were like, we must have made a mistake, but they didn't make a mistake. God, God gave him a new pancreas. So I get the word of that, and I'm praising God and stuff, and maybe six or seven months after that, you know, we're still praying for a complete healing, that God would just reverse everything. Um, that the cancer has taken away from him. And about six or seven months after God did that, he started to change what he was saying. Terrence was changing what he was saying. So after the surgery, he's like, God healed me. And I'm like, he did, man. He really did heal you. So, but about six or seven months after that, he was like, the doctors made a mistake. Um, you know, that wasn't God. Um, and which is, you know, it's disheartening to hear, but it doesn't change what God did. But, you know, when God healed Terrence, he knew that Terrence was eventually going to, like, recant that and say that it wasn't from the Lord. But God healed him anyway. 
Um, and he died, uh, not to, you know, <laughs> bring everything down, but he did die. Um, and he, you know, went to his grave saying that that wasn't the Lord who healed him. Um, but my point is that God heals no matter what. There is another instance I had a family member. Um, I'll just say she had an issue of blood. And it was about, it lasted for about, I think, three to four months. And I prayed for her um, one day. And at the time, she was not a woman of faith. She believed in God. But, you know, we were both kind of like, mm, I don't know. Is God going to do it, you know? Because it was a serious issue. So we prayed for her. And then that night, I believe it was that night, that God dried up the issue. Um. Another instance, there was a friend of mine a couple years ago. He ha- um, his uncle ha- had very bad diabetes. Like, he was like a double amputee and everything. It was bad. And one day he went to the hospital because his liver was failing. And they was like, you have three hours to live. Just go home. Um, and so I went and prayed for him. Now, he's still alive today. Praise God. I mean, he's... Still not walking with the Lord, but my point is that that God is good to everyone, and God is a healer despite anything else. Like, nothing else matters. God is a healer. There are no circumstances or things that we have to meet meet in order for God to be a healer. So, and then there's me. So, I don't know if everyone knows this, but 2019 was a super hard year for me physically. I was very sick. I mean, there are some of you who know um, I, it took a toll on me physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. I was very sick for quite some time and I prayed, I fasted. I was like being faithful in every way that you can be faithful, you know, and God didn't heal me. And that brought up so many feelings of entitlement and betrayal and anger and frustration and even bitterness. I have a very real and open relationship with the Lord. So when I'm feeling something, I'm like, Jesus, I am a little bit mad, okay? Uh, I don't understand why you're doing this. I know that you love me. And that was, that was part of what was so frustrating for me was that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that God was a healer and he wasn't healing me. And to me, I'm like, I am your daughter filled with your spirit, like I'm doing A, B, and C, you know. But God healed me in September of last year. Um, I, was in, I was in a church service in Tennessee. Where, uh, tongues of interpretation went forth, and the interpretation was, paraphrasing obviously, uh, if you believe that I'm your father, you should ask me for the things that you desire to see, among some other things. And I'm like, I have asked so many times for you to heal me. I have literally asked you so many times. But I was like, okay. You know, then even when I'm praying, I'm like fearful that, that like, I'm going to have to go home with disappointment or fear or, or doubt, you know, and, and feeling betrayed or hurt again if God doesn't heal me when I ask. And so that happened six months ago. God did heal me. He completely healed my body. And I'm thankful for that. It wasn't until three days ago. <laughs> that God let me in on what he was doing and why he was doing it. So I was, I was working, and I was just like, you know, doing my thing. And God hit me with a dimension of understanding thing, and I'm like, 
the whole time throughout that process, Jesus was dethroning the God of my understanding. Thank you, Jesus. The entire time, excuse me, I didn't know what God was doing. I was fearful, and I'm like, all these things, you know, because I had more faith in my discipline with the Lord, and I had more faith in my knowledge of the Lord and what I thought should be happening. Because I was doing A, B, and C, I was treating God like he was an equation, you know. Like two plus two should equal four, and it's not, and I don't understand why it's not. But the entire time, I was trying to get God to operate within the dimension of my understanding And it was, innocently enough, it was hindering God. God could not do what he desired to do in my life because I was trying to box him in and make him fit in this one little, like, this is how it has to happen type deal. So there's another instance in Scripture where a miraculous healing takes place, but the recipient didn't have faith in God to heal. It's John 5, at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus asked the man who has been lame for 38 years if he's been made whole. Which I feel like is, you know, I relate to that. You know, I was asking the Lord for over a year to heal me. And he's like, if you ask me, I'll give it to you. And I'm like, I've been asking, Lord. And it's just like if you go up to the man at the pool at Bethesda, if he wants to be healed, he's been lame for 38 years. Like, you want to be made whole? For sure. Like, I definitely want to be made whole. But to me, John 5 echoes Ezekiel 37. It's the same God asking the same question in a different way. Can these bones live? Will you be made whole? The same voice that went forth and spoke through Ezekiel was the same voice that went forth and spoke through Jesus, asking if that man wanted to be made whole. God told Ezekiel that these dry bones were Israel. And then Jesus, God manifesting the flesh, comes to this lame, impotent Jew Asking if he would be made whole. Asking if these bones would live, if you will. So this man didn't have faith for Jesus to heal him. All he had were excuses. You know, he began to say things like, nobody's here to carry me to the water. Folks be jumping in before me. Like, it's not fair. You know, I've been here waiting. He didn't even know who Jesus was. When people asked him who healed him, he was like, I don't know. I just know that somebody healed me. I don't know who it was. So there was really no opportunity for faith. And this man, this is like, when I read scripture, I try to like visualize it in my mind. This man probably spent years and years trying to get to the water. Uh, Maybe he was there every season. Maybe he was there every time. Maybe he lived there, you know. Because at the pool of Bethesda, you had to wait for a certain season and you had to wait for an angel to come trouble the waters. And I don't imagine that this man did too much, you know, not to be rude. I don't imagine he did too much walking back and forth. He was lame. I mean, he couldn't walk, you know. So how much time did he spend waiting for that angel to come down and trouble the waters? How close was he to the waters? Could he feel the mist of the waters as they were troubled? Like, was he sitting, like, on one of the five porches and just, like, waiting to jump in, you know, when the waters were troubled? How much frustration and disappointment and anger and even bitterness did he suffer when he was so close to the water and then, boom, 
Somebody else jumps in, somebody else gets healed. How annoying (laughs) it must have been to wait on a season of healing and then not be healed. But then Jesus comes along. This man was waiting for the stirring of the pool of Bethesda and the river of living water came to him. Jesus. Mm. You know what's so cool about a river? Like, oh, when the Lord said this to me, I was just like, oh, that's so cool. Rivers never stop moving. They never stop moving. Jesus is always moving. At the pool, they had to wait for a season and an angel. And this is no disrespect to angels. We love them. There are some present in the house today, and I'm thankful for them and their ministry. But there is, a certain, there is not a certain season for God to move. There's not a certain season for God to heal us. And we don't have to wait for an angel to come down and trouble the water. We have the river of living water, and he never ceases to move. Thank you, Jesus. So there's no record of this man's faith, yet Jesus still met him where he was at and healed him because this man did as he was commanded. Rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, he was made whole. He took up his bed and walked. Side note, I thought of this this morning. I was like, "Mm, I'm going to put that in there. The Pharisees had an issue with this man being healed on the Sabbath because it was outside of their dimension of understanding. Like, if somebody's healed by the pool of Bethesda, cool. Like, that's fine. Even on the Sabbath, that's cool. But when somebody else, when Jesus, God himself, comes down and challenges the narrative and steps outside of our dimension of understanding, it's like, ooh, you're not supposed to do that. That's not cool. You're not supposed to do that. Just as Ezekiel prophesied as he was commanded, he's seen the miraculous occur just like this man was obedient to the Lord, did as he was commanded, and he was able to rise, take up his bed, and walk. Maybe just maybe, we should try doing as we're commanded. Maybe we should try to agree with God's faith. I have one last example. You know what? There are people that will receive healings in this house today. I'm talking about physical manifestations of healings. I have one more example, and then we'll be able to get, I'll get out of the Lord's way, and we'll get to that. It's in Luke 6. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand. Now, in my mind, when I hear the word withered, I think of like something that's like dried up, you know. But historically speaking, when someone said like that person has a withered hand, it means that that member or that limb or whatever it may be was not fully developed or they were crippled from birth. So Jesus calls this man up in front of a crowd of people. Just think about this for a second, okay? This man doesn't know what Jesus is going to do. He's probably been ridiculed and made fun of his entire life, possibly ostracized 
from some. There were a lot of things where you weren't allowed to even enter into the temple to worship if you had certain deformities. Um, That may have been the case for him. And then here's Jesus asking him to stretch forth that hand in front of a crowd. I'm sure he's hesitant. I'm sure he's nervous. His heart is racing. He doesn't know what Jesus is going to do with his withered hand. By the way, withered in Greek, that word translates to dry land. So God took Ezekiel in the spirit to prophesy over the dry bones, that dry valley. And then God went there himself and commanded the man to stretch forth his dry hand. Verse 10 says, and he did so, and his hand was restored whole as the other. The river of living water washed over him, washed over that dry land, and restored it. God can reverse birth defects. God can restore your body no matter how long you have suffered with the ailment. That's a fact. These people didn't have faith, they just had needs. And that's all you have. That, that's the only requirement. Do you have a need? Okay, cool, like come down and God's going to heal you. These needs were met and the miraculous occurred because they did as they were commanded. They agreed with God's faith. The music can come. The river of living water is here today to wash over you, and to restore you. you, God is here to heal your body. Whether it's an injury, whether it's an injury from years and years ago that's left you with pain, whether it's a birth defect, an abnormality in your body, or whether it's something that took place seven, eight, nine, ten years ago, and you're still suffering from it. God is here to heal you today. Stand with me. In just a moment, when we come to this altar, all I want you to do is receive your miracle and receive your healing. A lot of times it's typical when we are receiving something that our hands will be turned toward us. So when you come down here in just a moment, when you raise your hands, I want your hands to be facing toward you. If you have any type of physical need in your body, I want you to come to the altar right now. If you need healing in your body. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I want you to tell the Lord, God, I receive it. I agree with you today, Jesus. Let's lift your hands and let's pray. He corra sanda yaritike ye rosaya radada yesundo. He oroda da hayasie. God, each and every person that stepped down with a need in their body, I call their bodies into alignment with heaven right now in the name of Jesus. That will be done in this earth as it is in heaven, oh God. I speak health. I speak wellness. I speak wholeness. I speak the life of God right now in the name of Jesus. God, I agree with your faith. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. 
Thank you, Jesus. 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 right now. We receive it right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We receive it right now, God. Just be who you are, God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Hallelujah. Right here in earth. Thank you, Lord. You know, there's no... There's no sickness in heaven. And we always ask, hey, for his kingdom to come and his will to be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's his will. That's who it is. He is a healer. We can receive it. I believe this time we can just receive from the Lord because that's what he wants to do. God can do it. One thing about the man at the pool that I love so much is that you know, I've always pictured myself. The Lord said, well, will you be made whole? I'm like, yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, just I'm going to answer an affirmative yes, but of course this guy didn't realize who he was talking to, had no idea. But the Lord said, take up your bed and walk. Now, that guy could continue to lay. He could say, man, you're a fool. I've, I've been crippled for a long time. I, I can't get up. I'm just going to stay right here. And if you'll go on, you're distracting me from looking at the water. Or he can decide to just obey the command and get up. And when he took his bed up, he was doing something that he had not done in at least 38 years. He took up his bed and walked. He did something different. Somebody carried him in there, but he walked out. So now what you've just got to do is take up your bed and walk. Healing don't always happen in the instant. Sometimes it happens down the road. But start living different from this point on. I'm just going to go ahead and, because I will be made whole. And that's what the Lord wants. He wants to make me whole, so I will be made whole. And so tomorrow when I get up, I'm going to get up like, hey, Healing's happening in my body. When I leave here today, I'm, healing's happening in my body. I'm going to live like I'm getting better. I'm going to carry my bed. I'm not, I'm not going to lie on this bed anymore. For him to lay there on that bed any further, he'd been living a lie. Because whether he knew it or not, Jesus had already done what he needed. God's doing what we need today. What if we got to agree with God? We gotta agree with him. We gotta trust him. God's gonna do it. Somebody just lift your hand and say, I'm healed in Jesus' name. I'm healed. I receive it. I came down here. I obeyed the word. I heard the preaching. 
I heard the preaching of the word. I obeyed it. I came down. And I'm going to receive it today in Jesus' name. I'm going to be better in Jesus' name. I'm going to take my bed up and walk in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'd like to think that that guy at the pool went back and started the ministry. Carry your brother. <laughs> Maybe they started carrying people down or something. I don't know, just helping somebody out because he'd got it. But, but let's believe it. Let's receive it. And then let's tell somebody about it. Yeah. When you start feeling that, that healing coming, let somebody testify. Tell them, God's doing a work in me. Or it, it might not be all 100% yet, but it's better than it was. It's getting better every day. God's doing it. Amen? Man, let's give him one more hand clap and a shout of praise. Sister Jessica, thank you. Great word. Well, she didn't act like she was nervous at all preaching her first Sunday service. But I know she was. That's all right. Appreciate the ministry of our church. Appreciate the Lord. And I appreciate you being here. Visitors, thank you for being with us. Those that came to hear Sister Jessica, we're glad you came. If you don't have a home church, come back and see us. We'd love to have you. Let's give the Lord one more hand. God's good. Tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, we're going to come together and pray and believe God to do some great things. Hope to see you here. You can be dismissed in Jesus' name. God bless you.